multiple Grammy-nominated Estonian-born Berson Wojcioso, Martin Kuzman's charismatic and commanding performances have earned him the reputation as one of today's leading instrumentalists. Praised by the New York Times for his amazing, dynamic performances, he has performed and recorded as a soloist with many of the world's leading orchestras, namely the Orchestra de la Suisse Romane, Leipzig MDR Symphony Orchestra, London Philharmonic Orchestra, Estonian National Symphony and Estonian Festival Orchestra, with conductors Neme, Pavo and Christian Yavi, Robert Spano and Dennis Russell Davis. He has had 14 concertos written for him and has recorded dozens of major movie soundtracks and video games. Previously teaching at the Manhattan School of Music, Martin is currently a professor of bassoon and chamber music at the University of Denver. A graduate of the Manhattan School of Music and the Yale School of Music, his mentors include Stephen Maxim, Frank Morelli, Rufus Olivier and Ilma Asmets. As a chamber musician, he has done several tours as a guest member and soloist with the Berlin Philharmonics Ensemble Berlin and the Berlin Philharmonic Winds. He is a frequent guest in chamber music festivals worldwide. Since 1995, Martin has been the solo bassoonist of the renowned New York City-based Absolute Ensemble. For several years, he served as the solo bassoonist of the Estonian Festival Orchestra, led by Pavo Yavi, a time he treasures greatly having recorded the orchestra's first CD featuring Shostakovich's Sixth Symphony. His current projects include another collaboration with a renowned Estonian pianist, Christian Ranelou, based on the Franz Schubert fame song cycle Winter Riser, as well as recording the bassoon concertos by Eki Suentor, Aino Tamburg and Torno Korwitz, with the Estonian National Symphony Orchestra with conductor Michael Hertz. His current bassoon concerto commissions extend to the 2023-24 season. And welcome back to another episode of Legends of Read. My name is Joanne Sukumaran and today I'm thrilled to have with me Martin Kuzman. Welcome to the show, Martin. It's my pleasure. So, um, what have you been up to recently? Um, could you tell us a bit of your recent activities and recordings? Well, uh, I haven't really recorded. As, uh, as we all know, it's been the year of COVID and uh, we've all just recuperated and uh, um, I've done lots of uh, just basic work. I've taught a lot, I've taught a lot of Zoom lessons and uh, learned new repertoire. I have lots of recordings coming up. Uh, there were lots of, I mean, every, everybody had performance cancelled. But now next season is uh, looking full actually, and and uh, I'm starting off in three months um, in uh, August with uh, uh, the recording of uh, uh, three concertos by Eino Tamberg, Erkis Ventur, and Tonu Korvitz, uh, all three that have been written for me, and uh, that's with the Estonian National Symphony Orchestra, Michael Gertz conducting. Um, so that's going to be an intense one week of recording. So, and and uh, just other projects with Christian Randalu, the Winterreise uh, arrangement. Uh, it's a whole recital that we, we actually I did. Uh, we did a tour in Estonia, three concerts with Christian Randalu. He's a renowned, renowned jazz pianist in Estonia, uh, premiered it. Uh, in three concerts, and uh, then of course everything, absolutely everything, had locked down. Um, 
and uh, we have a recording of this project coming up. It's a good 65 minutes of music. It's wonderful. Um, there's improvisation from him, a little bit from me, but mostly it's it's original songs and and fantastic piano arrangements. So it's something I'm really looking forward to and, and another thing I've been working on. Um, and uh, so you just keep working on the craft. That's what I've been doing, teaching and working, keep, keep working on the craft, basics, finding, fine tuning things. Uh, there is always something. You're never sleeping. Mm. So yeah, I just read that um, the US is starting to reopen, right? If I'm not wrong, yesterday California yes. announced the reopening. So how are things yes, just... like in Denver now? Denver, uh, very sunny. Always uh, sunny skies, 300 days of sun. <laughs> that's, that's how they actually are. Uh, musically, uh, uh, Denver Symphony, um, Colorado Symphony, is still doing um, a masked concert for unmasked audiences, uh, outdoor concerts. Mostly, uh, this is, I, I don't uh, gig with them. I, I, by choice, have said no to freelancing. Um, uh, and and uh, but but they seem to be doing quite well, the Colorado Symphonies, for example, just outdoor concerts, lots of chamber music concerts, and it it looks like they're starting off in September. The season starts. I know that New York Philharmonic uh, opened up and they're starting their their uh, concerts live again uh, for for live audience in September after eighteen months. Unbelievable, but yeah, so things are opening up. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, right now in Singapore, we are back to semi-lockdown. So it's been oh. a very strange turn of events. And uh, I don't know, every day the yeah. news is changing. So one yeah. can only hope, yeah? Um, so yeah. can I find out uh, what made you decide to become a concert bassoonist? Hmm. Uh, I think the most, the, the easiest answer to that is uh, music. Uh influences uh listen to recordings uh i as a young bassoonist i was what 16 17 there is andris arnichan's uh famous uh latvian bassoonist um his vivaldi concertos then then i also heard heard valeri popov his recordings uh george zuckerman recital which i saw i saw live Zuckerman, if younger listeners don't know, he's a famous uh, Canadian bassoonist um, and concert producer as well. Um, and and I saw it live in what, 1880, I mean, 18, <laughs> oh, I'm not that old, 1987. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, the, this kind of influence is just the potential and possibilities because obviously I like the bassoon. Uh, even though I had just started playing it, I was, uh, you know, I played piano and clarinet before. And, uh, and then, of course, then when I got my ears and hands on, on Turkovich and Tunaman recorders and Doug Jensen, um, starting with Maxim, Frank Morelli, Rufus Olivia, I mean, this is one thing leads to next, but what really made it was myself. It's I just I just liked what I was hearing and it felt challenging. I like challenge, and uh, just 
liking playing new material, like to work with uh, new material and, and new challenges and, and the music, just music, music, music. Hmm. Oh, that's great. Um, did you face any opposition or um, doubts from promoters when you were first starting out in your career? Um, I mean that the bassoon can be a solo instrument. Sure. Yeah. You know what, I was, I, yes and no. Because I had some very uh, nice acceptances from, or invitations from Scandinavia, from Sweden, Umeå Festival in the 90s, and then Estonia, of course, then Kuhma Festival in Finland, uh, where, I, where I did the Berio, for example. That was my first, Kuhma was actually the first time I did Berio, early 2000s. And, and uh, so they kind of opened up the road that part of the world which also then opened up the world uh, in america because uh, as conductors for example you really have to do a lot of concerts in europe uh, to really make it in america you know you just uh, for conductors it's it's, uh, it's so it's the same thing it's it's not not a not a rule of thumb but it basically is like that. Mm. Make it in Europe, you'll make it in America. Mm. Uh, but uh, it helped me for sure. Uh, did some doors close? Absolutely. I'm not going to name an orchestra, but uh, Pavo Ervi wanted to do a tour concerto with me early, two early 2000s. And uh, a very esteemed bassoonist whom I regard very highly said he hasn't done Mozart concerto in a long time. And uh, they had to were to Mozart concerto and and my tour was <laughs> my tour concerto with Pablo Ervi and that orchestra didn't happen because uh, because uh, wind players have these contracts that they need to do solo solo work which is completely normal of course principal players need to play solo but who's going to ask a principal viol a concert master uh, are you okay if uh, Lila Yosefovitz or, or Hilary Hahn comes and plays a solo? Nobody asks this kind of question. Of course, they get, the concertmaster plays solo and, uh, and they have 100 million violin soloists. But if a bassoon soloist comes, now that's a, that's a serious, serious crime. It could be a crime scene, let's mm, put it this way, because, yeah. um, because they, we don't have that many. The problem is, it's a matter of numbers. Mm. You know, and and uh, this is if we have more bassoon solo. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I understand. Not, yeah, not not quite, but this when people know the violin, people don't know the bassoon, mm -hmm. which is why we have this this constant struggle. Mm -hmm. But little by little, you know, it's uh, it's getting better, mm -hmm. much better. It's getting a lot better. It's a lot better than it was thirty years ago. Mm. Yeah, I see. Twenty years ago. Okay. Ten years ago. Huh. So should numbers game, yeah. So we should just uh, <laughs> keep going yeah. strong, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, who were some of your biggest supporters or mentors when you were first starting out? Like, who helped you uh, find your way in the beginning? Teachers, of course. Yeah. Uh, I had a wonderful teacher in Estonia, Ilmar Osmets, um, who uh, uh, was known for his beautiful sound tone. 
And I uh, remember in particular, like my first year, I just played everything slow. My fingers were already moving from clarinet and piano, but just playing everything slow, just focusing on the beautiful sound, creating a beautiful sound. And then, then uh, Rufus Olivia, Vernon Reed at San Jose States, but I studied um, privately with Rufus Olivia in, in San Francisco. Um, just, he had so much joy his lessons were just full of just joy, Rufus's. Um, Frank, uh, Frank Morelli, Steve Maxim, it's, these are very powerful musicians, powerful in their, in their uh, intellectuality and, and uh, presence. And my lessons with Steve Maxim and Frank Morelli were fantastic. I mean, sometimes we just talked, and so often we just played duets. Lots of times I, I play something and we just dissect the material and and uh, look for new aspects, new things, and hey, why didn't you try this? Or so it was all very encouraging. So this is this is what really made me. They didn't train me as a soloist. They knew that I like to play solo recitals. I like to perform. I, I like to I like the audience and all that. This all matters, you know. But I was I was uh, on my way of becoming really someone who will take auditions which I ultimately uh, took you as well mm. uh, but uh, my my uh, my aspirations really lied more in the my heart was in the in the field of uh, solo performing and uh, that that type of challenge so uh, it wasn't it wasn't a move of of uh, well heck that doesn't that didn't work so I'll go for solo mm. no it was it was uh, it was very self-directed, definite move. This is what I want to do, and this is what I have to do, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is why it's been successful. I see. Um, so, if you could just uh, mention, what were some of your favorite um, uh, collaborators that you have worked with? They could be musicians or conductors. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's quite difficult to pick some, but if you don't mind mentioning mm -hmm. some of them. Well, uh, without a question, uh, I did a lot of concerts right away with Christian Jarvi, and uh, he's a dear friend of mine. We go back, gosh, almost 30 years now. Um, and and uh, th that's been, this has always been great. But of course, I mean, the first landmark was to do concerts with his father, Neme Arri, uh, the Mozart concertos and Tambert concerto, uh, and then to play with Pavo. So Neme, Pavo and Christian, uh, you, you, you play with the three, you may as well, it's just, this is great, you know. <laughs> but but uh, uh, you know, uh, Worked to to work with, really, literally any conductor. I mean, there's Risto Joost, there's Michael Gertz, there's uh, Olari Eltz. I mean, you you name these, they're great musicians. Robert Spano. I mean, Dennis Russell Davis. Uh, I can go on and on, but uh, these are these are intellectuals and very interesting people and and great musicians. So this, this was this was, these these experiences have been great. As far as. Uh, mm, uh, Tonu Gailusta, a great choral conductor, who's uh, 
you know, legendary choral conductor who's, who I did, uh, whom I played the concerto with, completely different aspect of, uh, of, uh, of sound in his ears, you know. Um, but Kirill Gerstein, uh, pianist, and Leifo Wansnes, Christoph Hartmann, uh, uh, my good oboe friend from Berlin. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on and on. Uh, these are these are fabulous musicians, generous musicians, good people, fun people, open-hearted. Mm. This is this is why things work. Mm. You know, and this is uh, this is it's very. Very encouraging. I have so many other people I could, I could mention. Daniel Schneider, composer, whom I played together concerts with as a, as a, a duos even and things. You know, over the years. Mm. Um, um, I mean, Robert, when I when I did this Spiegel and Spiegel premiere recording, and he wanted to hear my nonstop CD, uh, and then tells me, oh, this, I really like the CD. Do you mind if I take the whole master to the radio? This is in 2010, people. Wow. And I'll, and I'll remaster the Spiegel and Spiegel track because I think you're playing it too softly. Oh. <laughs> wow. And then, he calls, and then he calls you back and said, I could only do so much. I could pull you up so much because the piano was bleeding into my microphone, the bassoon <laughs> mic. So, so uh, people that are listening, uh, Arbor Pratt remastered the Spiegel and Spiegel track on my nonstop CD. Wow. Uh, and he liked the CD, which was, uh, and he, not only did he like the uh, Spiegel Spiegel, which I would now do differently still, of course, go figure. Um, but uh, it was a huge compliment to get his nod of approval what in general. Is, what is he like in person? Like, I think he's so special, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's uh, um, very calm, extremely soft-spoken. Uh, he's got always this sparkle in his eye. Um, he's a, a very young 85-year-old. Um, and you, you, you could just... I know that he's very funny uh, and he loves humor. Um, but I don't know him personally that well. Uh, we just had this couple meetings. He's been to my concerts, which is to me, another, you know, of course, a great compliment. We haven't talked so much. Um, and he told me that, yes, Martin, if you had asked me 10 years ago, 2010, uh, if you had asked me 10 years ago about the concerto, I would have done it. But now he has, you know, I have so many, so many things to write. Uh, well, maybe he just wasn't ready for bassoon, but I wasn't ready for, to write, to ask him for bassoon concerto in year 2000 yet. Mm, uh, yeah. But, uh, but I Shucks. sure play a lot of his music. <laughs> yes, but I play a lot of his music. And, and, uh, and uh, I have auto pets, not of approval. So that's, that's yeah. good in my book. Yeah. Wow, it's such, a, such an honor to that he would remaster yeah. your track. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like your recording of the Bassoon Concerto by Christopher Teofanidis, yeah. And no, thank you. Yeah, and this year that he won a, a Grammy, right? For yes, his finally. Viola Concerto, right? Yes. Yeah, so could you tell us how you started to work with him? Um, we were both students at Yale, um, where I studied in the mid-90s. He was doing his MMA, which is basically doctoral. If people know MMA is a doctoral program. At, uh, at Yale and, and uh, uh, we just hung out 
and uh, there's a funny, funny little segment to it that how we first met because I didn't know, I, I couldn't remember what the word for refrigerator was. So I, I asked him, he was sitting and working in the front desk uh, as a, for, for, uh, as a student, you know, working, working to make money for his, for his university, uh, for his tuition. And, and, uh, and a oh, work study, that's what it's called, work study. And uh, I asked him, what, what is the cold box you put food into? It's a cold box. He said, refrigerator. Are you not American? Yeah, so that was, that was our first meeting. And uh, that was back in 1995. And uh, 1997, the concerto was written. I premiered it in, in, uh, in New York City with Christian Yerby, an absolute ensemble. And since then, I've done it almost every year. Mm once or twice or more hmm. yeah it's it's been uh, a heck of a ride with this concerto hmm. it's a pretty good start from uh what is a cold box mm. volume in refrigerator mm. to a concerto like this mm. but um yeah he's he's a wonderful guy he's a, he's a very good friend very funny also hmm. um uh, but he's private kind of shy until you get him talking as a friend and he's he's just he's hilarious mm. chris the is a is a funny person mm. funny guy yeah, yeah very smart so it was yeah really um due time as you mm. said that he finally got the grammy this year right mm. yeah yes yeah, finally yeah it's it's been well grammy it's it's sort of an enigma uh people hate it people love it but uh when you have it, you sure do love it. Or when you get nominated, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to get nominated, I think it's, it's, it's a big honor, right? I think, yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and I, you know, uh, Chris's concerto was in 2017, 10 years before that. I had commissioned a concerto from, uh, from David Chesky. And uh, that got nominated in the same, exactly same category. So that was 10 years in between that mm. it's, uh, I recorded with uh, Norland Symphony Orchestra and uh, in Umeå um, and uh, Rosengergov conductor. Mm. Yeah, really a killer concerto, super hard for orchestra. Mm. I, keep, I keep reminding it to, to David. Mm. You know, this is why we don't play it that much. Mm. It's very hard for orchestra. Difficult oh yeah, to yeah, it's difficult to rehearse, right? Was this the mm -hmm. one recorded with one microphone? Or? Yes, okay. one microphone. Chesky Concerto is recorded, the whole seat is recorded with one single microphone in the middle of a hall. So in the seats? Yes. Oh, wow. One, there was nothing on stage. <gasps> one microphone in the middle of the hall, like a listener. Incredible. This is why Chesky is known as a, as a, you know, acoustic genius. Wow. Okay. Mm. Wow. Okay. And it's a great concerto. Have you heard it? Yeah, it's, it sounds really yeah. difficult. <laughs> it's well, it's it's challenging, but uh, it's a it's a great piece. Just orchestrally, the writing is fantastic. Hmm. Never mind the bassoon part. The writing is fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So assume that you receive some new music, yeah, in your yes. inbox. Yeah. How do you start yes. to work on new music that you've never seen before? Um. For example, um, I have uh, Paul Ragnar Palsson, a uh, great Icelandic composer. I'm doing his concerto premiere 
in January. Um, right now we're talking about it. He's written it um, and uh, just uh, talking about the piece, you know, what, what does he, what, what is he putting in there, you know, what kind of moods, you know, just make sure you put in singing in there because I'm, I'm done with just only technical flamboyance. Uh, it has to have lots of soul, more than lots of soul. Um, and, and beauty, which Bassoon is really good at. So once, once we're there, once I get the piece, um, generally a new concerto, I work on it no more than a couple months. Um, and uh, um, I like to really digest the score first, or any piece that I look at, any new piece. Just look through the, the solo part, sink through it in my head, um, see the intervals, see how they connect, kind of figure it out uh, uh, without practicing first. The instrument is just, at this point, would be an obstacle in my hands because I just want to figure it out in my brain first. And then look with the score, uh, concerto, how it, how, it, how it works with the, uh, with the solo part, all the rhythms and everything, and just really hum it through, learn it first without the instrument. Um, maybe an hour or so. And, and uh, it doesn't have to be one hour in a row, it can be two different sessions. Uh, and then when you, when you pick up the instrument, you, you basically kind of know the piece and mm -hmm. then go start really slow, just figuring, just go through it slowly, very slowly. S slow, more slow than, than mm -hmm. students that usually think that they practice slow, that's fast, mm -hmm. really slow, I mean, really slow mm. yeah but quick reactions so you immediately create co a connection the speed is there it's just that the the you play the 16th note super slowly but you move quickly to the next 16th note so your brain gets the connection immediately mm. uh, uh, and and uh, yeah then I go from there I generally learn very fast from mm. that point on has yeah. your practicing um, strategy changed during Corona times? Do you have a different approach or has it remained the same? I'm just mm -hmm. curious about that. No, it's remained the same. Oh. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't changed, but, but I've, I've found that I, I work on other aspects of my playing uh, because of the lull in the, in the, in the action. You know, I'm used to always going somewhere, doing things. Um, I travel usually about once a month. That's what I can do from University of Denver. You know, I have my, my studio. I have to be there. I mean, I want to be there for them to get all the lessons in and make sure that they're doing fine. And, and uh, then I travel with concerts for about a week, a month. Uh, but because that didn't happen, I was able to practice on things that I'm working with my students in my own playing, just to, just to, uh, even though things are working for me, no problem, but they can always be better. Mm. Things can always be better. Mm. Yeah, so that's my motto. That's why I never stop uh, progressing. That's why I never stop practicing. And uh, you know, I'm an eternal student when it comes to mm. that. Yeah, I so was watching a, a lecture by a British cellist. Um, his name is Robert Cohen. I'm not sure if you heard of him. And sure. 
Um, and he came up with this system where um, he divides his practice uh, among three pieces, where he has phase one, phase two, and phase three. Okay. And he alternates it every 20 minutes so to, to keep the brain like really engaged, you know, that you don't switch off at all, right? And that's that's what's well, very much like uh, like symphonic. I I I very much believe in that, and we we I sometimes fall into that that hole where I practice that same piece for you know an hour or two hours. It's good to do exactly what you just said. These different sessions. It's like a rehearsal, like a symphony rehearsal. You do forty five minutes this, and then forty minutes that, and the next day you don't necessarily touch the material. You let it settle. And then you come back to it the mm. following day. Mm. Yeah. So you think it's quite a good system also, yeah. Oh I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah. It's quite quite interesting, I, mean, I as, think, yeah. As long I mean not everybody practices this way and everyone has their own their own ideas. I certainly don't practice exactly like like you just pointed out to Robert Cohen does twenty minutes and twenty minutes. But I do like to compartmentalize, to take a section. Uh, and or a piece I work this much on this today and then uh, tomorrow maybe I do only this section and uh, the day after I do a larger section but today's practice other half I do a different piece and and so on I just have definite goals but not no practice session start uh, starts just with with peace I always love to do my 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 drills or my my uh, basic exercises, scales, and whatever. So it's pretty simple. Mm, okay, great. Great to hear that from you. Um, what drives you to keep playing at such a high level? Is there, can you explain what motivates you? Uh, music, what's out there. Uh, I'm not joking, sunshine. Sunshine. me. Yeah. Uh, I love nice weather I go for jogs every day you know just to keep fit um, good family life lots of love that's uh, uh, I'm a very friendly person by nature it's just good laugh I'm, I love to communicate you know it's just it's just feeling good mm. that's that motivates me mm. if you're not feeling good uh, you have to really find out what why you're not feeling well mm. Uh, or good and and um, try to fix it mm. because it's very hard to find motivation when you're not feeling well mm. don't you agree mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it's hard sometimes i think during this yeah. covid uh, lockdown yeah. yeah you know uh joanne and dear friends <laughs> listening <laughs> um there is there is always a light out there uh covid has, has it's it really has there's no better word than sucked. It's been terrible. <laughs> but uh, if we if we if you let marinate that oh it sucks, well it takes over your world. That nasty four-letter word, uh, and and uh, we have to just get over it mm. and and focus on beautiful things that are around. Well, there are so many other things we could do now. I mean, people have done so much with online, uh, but there's you know you can listen to this or you could practice that, and and uh, you could you could really find new things about yourself about playing uh, advantages 
towards the future, what you can do. Uh, and many people, a lot of people have, including you. Uh, and uh, you, just, you just have to find the light. This is mm. what invigorates mm. and, and, uh, and keeps me going, is just positivity. Mm. And love, love, love doing what you do. Mm. And if you don't, think twice about it and find the love. If you don't find the love of what you're doing, uh, then there's trouble in the house, trouble in the kitchen. Mm. Is mm. that American thing? <laughs> trouble in the kitchen? No, it's I just came up with it right now. I love to cook. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know that you're a most one artist. Yeah. Um, yes, so... I know that too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how did this uh, partnership with uh, Moosman come about? Okay, well that was totally random. I was playing a heckle bassoon for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I played an older heckle, uh, my Chesky Concerto and the Path of Mantra and Archipelago and um, all these CDs prior to 2010. Uh, uh, oh, Arcturus by Robert Martin, the solo piece, Nine Stellar Pieces album actually shows the, the heckle, the old heckle sound really well. Um, all of these were, were, were recorded with an instrument, including all my, my days in New York for freelancing. And um, that was really sharp, really sharp. I constantly had to, had to uh, pitch, play the pitch down and, and, and settle for you know, auditions just reworking my ambition to try to play in 440. Well, that's not good trying to play 440. We should just play in 440, but the instrument was 443, 444. That was the A. Please, you know, mm, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. Um, so in 2010, I thought, okay, well, that's it. Uh, I sold it to my, my wonderful student, uh, Matthias Kronsteiner, who's now in, uh, in, uh, back in Linz or Linz or Vienna, Austria, I think in Linz or Graz. Um, and and uh, I thought I'll I'll try a fox. Well, I tried a fox for ten ten months, and uh, I liked it. Everything worked, but it did, didn't have that special it. And uh, then, just by coincidence, I saw Justin Miller in one of the master classes I was given in in one of the schools, and and he uh, just told me, well, just try this Mooseman. Yeah, sure. I mean, if he just gives me to try, I'll, I'll, I took it and I completely fell in love with it. And uh, this is this is how it started. It was a two 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 E model, and uh, since then uh, I've asked them to make uh, uh, the. I mean, we we worked together on that. We got the CL model, and uh, now they, of course, that the, there are different models. Stefano Canuti plays a, a different two 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 model SC model which is a thin wall and yeah it's it's a wonderful relationship uh meaning that i was looking for why did i settle in musman it was a coincidence i could have gone to yamaha yamaha i could have gone to Puchner or or walter uh, but uh, i wanted a flexible instrument and musman happened to be there Mm. Uh, I tried Puchner's. I love I love all the people Gerhard Puchner and they're wonderful wonderful people. 
but the bassoon that really spoke to me was was Moosman. Everything worked. I liked everything that it does, and I could speak I could speak on the instrument's behalf with full conviction, without thinking uh, that I'm I'm making things up. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's working. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I... and there are great people to work with. I mean, Bernd, you can suggest thing, and and uh, he's very open-minded to take it. Yeah, I was going for the golden sound. I used to have a classmate from Hungary, and he was playing yeah. the Francais divertissement. Yes, and he had this yes. wonderful golden sound, and I, I just wanted this sound, so I changed to a Moosman. And then my teacher yeah. was like, "Are you sure? <laughs> Are you really sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is." Well, <laughs> not surprising because I, I also, I was a bit hesitant in two thousand ten because uh, Musmans, they always had a beautiful sound, but they, they got a little bit clunky, um, in the in the mechanical sense, um, and and uh, they really, they have really, I mean, really fixed up and tuned up the game in 2000 from 2010 on especially in the last five years uh, their student instruments are phenomenal like i always say they're almost too good for the price uh i mean they are too good for the price uh bassoons are expensive no matter what but still they are they sound much better than than uh, than the price that it should be priced higher but they're not uh, Professional instruments are exactly the same. They're phenomenal, phenomenally well playing. And, and uh, when I tried the most months earlier, that's why that's when I would have gone to yeah, maybe I should just try Pöhnery, but it stuck together better. But the market these days is is completely different field. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's so flexible, and you you can really like exactly search, you got it. Search for the sound or the yeah. color that you want. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's uh, somebody gave a good uh, synopsis to the sound. They said uh, it was during my recitals of Winterreise, um, uh, a professional bassoonist of high level. Um, don't have to mention names again, but but uh, because he doesn't play Mosman, <laughs> uh, and and. Uh, or maybe he doesn't want me to mention his name, who knows, because he plays a different instrument. He said he's never heard an instrument so clear, same same tone, just some range, same range for over three octaves, just just is like like one voice. Usually there are different registers, they sound a little bit different, you know, low octave is a little weaker, of course, you know, have a good read too, but it's very continuous, great, uh, centered tone uh, and extremely flexible you can you can sound anything you want and that's what we want mm. yeah so um, so looking back at your career um, could you share with us some of the, your biggest lessons you have learned you know like what did you learn over your career um, well it starts from uh, from my, from my lessons um, with uh, you know Frank was my last teacher um, and uh, like Frank Morelli said just always play it's like it's the last time you played and just just basically always do your best and and uh, it's in my practice too I always practice at my best and and uh, 
things are not working well, well, find out. Again, it's it's look into yourself. You have to same thing with practice. What is not working well? Why is it not working well? Um, is it the read? Well, maybe it's a bad read. So you work around that bad read. You practice with a bad read, knowing it's not the great read. Uh, and and uh, 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 was the question? What what are the best? What what's the biggest lesson? Big, uh, some of your biggest lessons you have learned. Yeah. 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 Just love what you're doing. Love what you're doing. Be passionate about what you're doing, and and uh, listen. Look look around. Look around yourself. Listen to other people. Uh, when you play chamber music, don't uh, don't don't play a solo. Give a solo. Always give. When you play chamber music, you just give. This is not your solo. You're giving a solo, and and then you it's it's you don't take music. You give. I think giving is a very important part. I was just always give. But sometimes That's... if you give a lot, right, you may also burn mm -hmm. out, right? No? That could be one. Well, uh, yes. You just don't overgive then. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be there has to be limit to what we give because you, you can't give uh, you can't empty your bank account. Yeah. You have to have something in the savings too. And and uh, there's a, we have to watch so that we don't do too too much. Mm. Don't overstretch yourself. Mm. Don't take too many concertos. I mean, I'm I have a couple months where I'm not doing any concertos next next season, and and uh, any concerts. And I tend to keep it this way just to recuperate. Mm. And and uh, so if I'm constantly going 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 go, well, I yeah there there will be a burnout. Mm. So. Yeah, so give with limits. Mm. Give with limits. Mm. But be honest with yourself and be honest with everyone else that you're dealing with. Mm. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest lesson. Never try to be someone that you are not. Mm. Yeah. So um coming to my final question, uh would you like to tell us about some of your future projects? Are you working on other things, I think you mentioned something about a practicing book or something. Oh yes, well this is a, a for, with academics in mind. I, I have a, um, a be, because people have been asking over the years about my double tonguing, about my approach to sound tone production. Um, how do you play these high notes? This way and that way, but I'm I'm writing a I'm writing a book with my former student, um, uh, who's basically like the editor of the book, um, uh, of just practice method, practice method book. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, it gets quite detailed, uh, but uh, when when it comes to that simplicity. Uh, but I think that's where the secret lies, and there's a lot of double tonguing in there, um, which I learned. I taught myself in three months, specifically. I have three months, and now this is what I'm going to do, and and uh, I I did master it, and that's that's in there too. Uh, there there it's it really is quite basic, which uh, which I think is be better than having something that is 
really complicated. You know, if you look at uh, Ole Christendahl's drills book, it's very basic. It's super basic. And that's the beauty of it. You know, there's a Kovar book, again, very basic. And, and, and uh, the, the, the beauty in getting better lies in simplicity. And, uh, and, uh, but aside from this, uh, I have this Winterreise project with Christian Randalu that uh, we have planning a lot of concerts, recitals with, and uh, Paul Ragnar Paulson concerto, new concerto with Estonian National Symphony Orchestra. And uh, there is uh, Minko Rajandi, another great Estonian composer. Uh, or today we should mention female composer, as if there's a difference between female and male composer, there is not. Um, and uh, I'm a composer, I mean artist in residence with the Tucson Symphony Orchestra. It's a big honor because it's it's uh, the first artist artistic residence in the in the orchestra history. It's a fully professional orchestra in Arizona. Uh, Jose. Uh, Luis Gomez uh, is the conductor there and uh, I'm playing the Mozart concerto and Strauss duo concertino there and then uh, I come back with chamber music concerts uh, where I play the Mingo Ryan the uh, reduced concerto uh, trees talk uh, so it's environmental and it's by female composer it clicks as I said it clicks all the clicks to be clicked Hmm. And in today's today's political musical world, but it's a fantastic piece. And then other uh, we are planning other concerts with Tucson Symphony as well, and uh, Theophanie's concerto with Christopher Dragon conducting. And, ah. and yeah, I yeah. think he's uh, he has origins from Singapore, you know. You know what I think he does. He's yeah. from Australia, but he's got some. Uh, he's got some. Uh, genealogy i think from singapore doesn't yeah it? i met his father at a concert yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof, super charismatic guy yeah <laughs> both chris dragon and jose luis gomez are graduates of nemeyervi conducting academy in Paterno. Oh, okay. and they're both very charismatic and very successful and then uh, i have uh, projects with uh Tartu, Vanemunorks, and Risto Yost as their artists in residence. So there's a lot of residences, mm. but recordings as well. So the, the three concertos, Estonian concertos, and then Paul Ragnar Paulson. So there's, oh, Mari Wichmann concerto. This is very interesting. Two flutes and bassoon for Pattern Music Festival and Estonian Festival Orchestra. Um, another female composer, um, triple concerto. Uh, unusual combination i mean not unusual combination so to say if you look at chamber music especially baroque but when it comes to concerto very unusual and that it's it's going to be an interesting piece next summer mm. yeah so lots of lots of new things mm. and uh well, playing jolivet kriegel concerto and schneider i might even combine them on a cd together Ooh. So there's there's a lot on the plate. That's why I need those two months in between to recuperate because I'm 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 not like many soloists, uh, pianists or violinists who have you know three or four concertos they do in one year. I have about uh, seven or eight, yeah. so I need a little bit time. <laughs> so when can we expect um, the disc to come out? Or uh, do you know? Uh, 
Well, um, the Tamberg Tour Tour Concerto, by the way, which is a, you know I was supposed to uh, play it last year. I mean this year in April, and I was in Estonia, um, and the concert got cancelled two days before the uh, the the concerto uh, uh, because uh, they had their first case positive case the only case in the season and it had to happen during the week were you already it, there by, when uh, it happened? oh i was there yeah they were oh. rehearsing it was in the morning of my first rehearsal day before the the recording it was supposed to be recorded that that week and and yeah i ended up just doing a four minute uh solo piece by tenu Gurvitz. Oh. that's on my non-stop CD too oh. but no it's on the concerto Theophanidis CD uh, but uh, it, it was the only case they had it was during the week that I was there the person and his family are fine which is the main thing and and uh, yeah concert got cancelled the concerto got cancelled but it's a phenomenal piece to concerto and I've played it several times including with MDR orchestra and mm. in Leipzig um, yeah so it's an exciting year ahead and I'm I'm psyched to start the season and and I have a full studio at La Mans School of Music and uh, in Denver and uh, there's lots to look forward to but the main thing is just to keep it positive and keep keep happy keep working hard and keep giving mm. Okay, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, I hope you will have a great summer. Um, Thank you, Joanne. Yeah, and I really hope to meet you one day in person. Yeah. Uh, likewise, likewise. All the best to you and you stay well fit and keep working hard. Live life well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Joanne. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe or share it with your friends. That would mean the world to me. Thank you and goodbye.